Imputed Podcast starts right now. And what is going on, everybody? This is indeed the Asman and Budic Show. Jake Asman alongside Dan Budic. And so much to get to on this program. The Jets filed tampering charges against the Patriots. The Yankees and Mets, they're opening up in about 11 days from right now. Opening day on April 6th. We're excited for that. The Mets are in Washington. The Yankees are going to open up at the stadium. So we'll be sure to talk more baseball as we keep progressing to opening day and just 11 days away. But obviously, one of the biggest stories that's not sports-related, the Entourage trailer number two dropped Dang, late yes, last night. And uh, we're very excited to discuss that in the program. We're even going to devote a whole segment to it, as Dan and I are both big Entourage fans. And judging by my Love Twitter, Entourage. when I tweeted that we were going to be discussing Entourage on the program, a lot of people favorited the tweet. A lot of people are excited for us to discuss the trailer, discuss the movie at length. So we'll get to that a little bit later in the program. Follow the show at Asman Budic Show. Dan's Twitter is at Dan Budic. My Twitter is at Jake Asman. We're on Facebook. We're on Vine. We're doing a lot of social media. We're working on the Snapchat, the Instagram, the <laughs> whole thing. We'll get that. It's a work in progress. We'll, the rest get, was a work we'll in get to progress. that a little bit later. And uh, we're also excited to announce that we we're we're going to bring the Asman and Budic Show out to Los Angeles with us. When we head out there, so that's something to look forward to in the future when we go out there a year from now with Ithaca College's L.A. program. So just to touch on a little bit of the future of the show, that's a long ways away, though still a year away. And obviously we want to thank our two producers, Jake Chernock and Connor Weingarten, who are here in the studio on the other side of the glass producing this bad boy. But as we mentioned, lots to get to, and it all starts with the New York Jets and the New England Patriots, two teams that despise each other. Robert Kraft started this with the tampering charges against the Jets for comments Woody Johnson made when he was asked a question on whether or not he was interested in bringing back Darrell Revis. And the Jets, obviously frustrated by that, filed tampering charges right back on the Patriots when Robert Kraft was asked some questions involving Darrell Revis leaving his franchise. So now it's a back and forth. Uh, Yep. And it's clear that these two teams clearly don't like each other. They don't like each other at all, Jake. And what really, uh, you know, annoys me is the fact that you know, Woody Johnson, obviously, a couple months ago, was asked the question, would you be open to bringing Darrell back or whatever the case may be, whatever the, however the question was worded. And at the time, Darrell Revis was going through the end of the season into the playoffs as a member of the Patriots, ended up winning the Super Bowl, we know. But I don't think anything he said was that ridiculous. He was asked, would he be open to bringing back Darrell Revis? And I think he answered the question truthfully. Technically speaking, it does fall under tampering, according to the NFL rules. But what annoyed me the most, Jake, is that three hours later, when it was brought to Woody Johnson's attention that this fell under the tampering charges in the National Football League, and it falls under tampering, he called Robert Kraft to apologize. And, you know, from there on, you didn't really hear about anything Robert Kraft responded with, but you just know Woody called Robert Kraft to apologize. Next thing you know, the Patriots filed tampering Woody Johnson had no intent of tampering. So for the Patriots to then file charges after the owner of the team apologized to Robert Kraft personally was ridiculous. And you know what? I don't think it's petty at all about what the Jets are doing. And you know what? I commend them. I have a lot of respect for Woody Johnson for what he's doing. It was ridiculous that Robert Kraft filed tampering charges in the first place. And Woody Johnson saying, you know what? We're going to do it right back because you can't punish the us without punishing them now. And I agree. And, and that's how and it works. Both Woody teams Johnson should not be punished. Doing, Nothing happened here. And, and, and Woody Johnson was in a, a situation where 
his franchise, you know, he made a mistake with John Idzik, and it was a disaster. They didn't sign Darrell Revis last year, and I think he wanted to give some assurance to the franchise that, you know what, if Darrell Revis is available or a guy like his caliber is available, we will pursue him. And I think that's all he was trying to do was send a message to the fan base. So, you know what, if Darrell's available, which we're not saying he's going to be, but if that were to hypothetically happen, you know, we'd be open to, to pursuing him. And that's all he said. It wasn't anything ridiculous. He didn't say he's a main target for us this offseason. He didn't say this is something we're definitely going to do. He just made a very general comment about being open to bringing Darrell back. And I think you know, the fact that he called Robert Kraft when it was brought to Woody's attention, when it was brought to his attention that this would possibly be tampering and that it could cost the Jets, he apologized to, to Robert Kraft. And the fact that Robert Kraft then went again and to file the tampering charges against the Jets, I mean, come on. Come on. It's, it's, There's no malicious intent here. Of course not. It's just Johnson tweaking the New England Patriots right back, and it's a two-side of anything you could do. I could do better. I know you are, but what am I? Both these guys, as Rich Media wrote on ESPNNewYork.com, needs to go to the principal office. It's enough. It's ridiculous. But you know what? The Patriots started it, and Woody Johnson said, you know what? I'm going to answer it right because back. Because you know and what? You know, then Robert Kraft was asked a question. Were you upset that you couldn't bring back Darrell Reeves? And what do you think? He's going to say no, I, or I can't comment because he's under a contract with another franchise? He said, yeah, we wanted to bring Darrell back. Unfortunately, it couldn't get done. I speak as a fan of the New England Patriots. We wanted to keep him. That's what Kraft said. Woody Johnson said, I'd love for Darrell to come back. The same no, thing. No, no intent really no on, either, on either owner here. But obviously, the Jets and the Patriots have a brutal history dating back to 1997 in January when the Jets attempted to hire Bill Parcells as their coach and the Patriots blocked it at the time. That started, of course, Curtis Martin coming to the Jets, Eric Mangini ratting out on oh, Spygate. Belichick, I mean, the, 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 the list goes on and on. Belichick leaving the Jets to go to the Patriots. Left them at the altar. I mean, this, uh, 24 days later, he becomes the Patriots head coach. So this is a long history of bitter hatred. Not to mention the reason why Tom Brady is Tom Brady, or he got the opportunity to start in the National Football League, was against the Jets. Of course, Mo Lewis, the linebacker Absolutely. for the Jets, knocked him out of bounds, knocked Drew Bledsoe out of bounds, and that's next thing you know, history. number 12 is coming into the game, and he won you know, three Super Bowls in his first four seasons in the NFL. So, you know, the Jets and the Patriots, they go way back. So this really doesn't surprise me. But you know what? I, I, I can't blame Woody Johnson. You know, w w does it hurt the Jets for filing these charges? No. Well, it's not going to Because the Jets, the Jets might tactically lose maybe a seventh-round draft pick from it. Now, maybe the Patriots and the Jets both lose a pick, and you, you stop, you hurt your enemy a little bit. Or maybe they don't, maybe they just say, you know what? They just cancel it out and, now. They use it as an example, and they cancel it out. Or maybe they change the policy now. I, listen, or I, they say you both are acting ridiculous, this is not tampering, and you stop it altogether, yeah, which is what you, should you happen. You stop it altogether and maybe make a, I, I think maybe it's a very, and this is what I hear, because I, I haven't gone through the NFL rulebook, it's a very general rule. Like, there's, there's no specific thing to what is tampering. It's open to... Uh, an opinion of what falls under tampering. God knows you don't want uh, Roger Goodell interpreting go. the rule book. There you go. You know, if it's open to Roger Goodell's opinion, I mean, for all we know, they could suspend the Jets for the whole season. They're out of the NFL next but year. But Ray Rice will get only two games. But Ray Rice only gets two games. And Greg Hardy <laughs> signs uh, a long-term contract, <laughs> $11 million contract with the, uh, with the Cowboys. And Adrian Peterson gets to dictate what he wants to do next year. <laughs> and he's coming back to the NFL and – he can decide if he wants to play for the Vikings. Of course. So it's all, you know, it falls <laughs> right under what he wants. So ridiculous. <laughs> right. Ridiculous. Uh, the, right, the whole Roger, thing's ridiculous. I mean, of course it is. So I figured we'd open up the show talking about that. Because I mean, we, it's, it's news. It, it, it is. And it's Jets Patriots. And we spend a lot of time on this program talking about the Jets and the Patriots. And obviously, with, the, with Revis coming back to the Jets, this is the latest chapter in this storied rivalry in this division. 
And don't look now, but the rest of the AFC has is, is gotten a lot better. Obviously, until someone beats the Patriots, they are the Patriots. No one's better than them. They have Brady and Belichick. But the Jets obviously improved. The Dolphins improved. Rex Ryan and the Bills improved, I think, significantly on both sides of the football. So, listen, the AFC is going to be very and, competitive next season. And if you look at the one team that declined, it is New England. Because what won them the, the Super Bowl? What was a big part of their run? It was Browner and Revis, and they lost both of them. So I think when you look at the one team in the AFC East that took a little step back, I think it's New England. And New England took a step back. The rest of the division took a step forward. But as we know, at the end of the day, they still have Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, and that's good enough to win at least 10 games. Seems like every single year in the NFL. Yep, pretty much. They, they, they pretty much put together at least a 10-win, a 12-win season every year, at least. So, I mean, but the tampering thing, it really is just, it goes to show you that it, at the same time, these two owners act like kids at times. And that's the NFL. And that's the NFL. But, I, I you know, I think the whole thing goes back to the fact that, you know, Woody Johnson called – Robert Kraft to apologize, apologize to him, and then the tampering charges are filed. And I think the Jets were really hurt by that because I think there's a, there should be a certain amount of respect between owners and between franchises, you know, even though they're rivals. I, I think there's got to be a certain amount of respect between franchises. Now let's get to a little baseball because obviously we've mentioned at the start of the program, 11 days away as we sit here in Studio 143 here at Ithaca College getting ready for opening day and Listen, only 11 days away and a lot of question marks surrounding both New York teams. Obviously, the Mets losing Zach Wheeler hurts their rotation. And the Yankees have a ton of injury concerns with their rotation. And it starts with uh, Tanaka, Mashiro Tanaka. He's a guy that was great before he got injured, arguably the Cy Young in the American League last year before he went down. So my question to you would be, Dan, who is a bigger question mark or who needs to pitch better for their team to have a chance of making the playoffs. Is it Snacker with the Yankees or Harvey with the Mets, who's also coming back from a big-time injury? Tommy John didn't even pitch at all in 2014. Well, I think it's Tanaka. I think the Yankees are going to need Tanaka to really have a great season because, you know, the Yankees uh, the Yankees are now right now a borderline playoff team. We'll, we'll see. They still have a lot of question marks at a lot of other key positions. But I think, I think if Tanaka goes out there, picks it up where he left off before he got hurt, the Yankees could be an 88-89 win team possibly if everything else falls into place. With the Mets... You know, I think if Matt Harvey wins them 20 games, they could still win 83 games. Uh, you know, so I, I, it, it's very hard for me to say does Matt Harvey put the Mets over the top. I think when Tanaka's great with the rest of the, the unit the Yankees have, I think he puts them as a playoff team. I really do. I really believe that. I, I agree with you, and I think when you look at Harvey and how good he is, the problem for the Mets, it, hasn't, it really hasn't been their pitching. You know, you look at the Yankees' rotation, they need Tanaka to be an ace. They need Michael Pineda to bounce back. They need to get something out of the Mets are very Sabathia. deep in the rotation. The Mets have about you know four or five guys that you could count on. The, thing, the question with the Mets is, can they get bounce back years out of David Wright, out of Curtis Granderson? What can they get from Kandire? Is Duda going to be productive? So the Mets, and don't get me wrong, the Yankees have their fair share of question marks as well. But the Mets also don't have the bullpen the Yankees have. The Yankees are throwing Dylan Batances and you know Andrew Miller at the back end of that rotation. That's as good as any one-two combo in the back end of the bullpen and baseball. So for the Yankees, yeah, you know what? They need an ace. They need Tanaka to be as good as he was before he got injured last year. Matt Harvey could be great, but the Mets also have a lot of question marks. I think if you look at the Mets' bullpen, that's a bigger question mark than the Yankees' bullpen. And, you know, as good as good as the, the Yankees' lineup could be when guys are cooking, that's also a big question mark. No, so they, it, really, they need that to bounce back, but the Mets also need the lineup to bounce back. So if you ask really who's more important, I think the Mets could survive without getting I maybe agree. a great year for Matt Harvey because they have a lot more depth in their rotation. The Yankees, pretty thin. They really need Matt Shiro Tanaka to be the ace of the staff. Yeah, that's what I said before. I, I, think, to, I think with the Mets, they have a lot of question marks. You know, in the lineup, we, you know, we talked about it. David Wright really needs to have a bounce-back year. Curtis Granderson really needs to have a bounce-back year as well. But I agree with you. I think the Mets, are, the Mets are very deep in the rotation. They, you know, they're throwing around 
Jacob Degrom won the won the NL Rookie of the Year last year. You know they're very deep in the rotation. Bartolo Colon is a guy they have in the rotation. A rubber arm like that. You know they they their rotation is pretty deep. Dylan G, John Neese. You know not necessarily great pitchers, but very solid starting pitchers can win you 12 or 13 games. With the Yankees, you know there's a lot more question marks in the rotation. I agree with you. I think. Tanaka is going to have to have a really good year if the Yankees want to be a playoff team. He, it's a must because if he falls and he needs surgery, it's going to be very tough for the Yankees to push 87, 88, 89 wins, whatever it's going to take to make the playoffs in the American League this year. And I'll even take it a step further. Let's talk about Michael Pineda for the Yankees because Pineda's a guy that, once yeah. again, was great until he got injured. The whole pine tour thing aside, he was phenomenal last season and before he had the shoulder injury and he had to shut it down. What are you getting from him? If he's healthy, it's he's a, a top-of-the-rotation type mark. of starter. And he could bring you you know, an, an impactful guy in that rotation to go along with Tanaka. And then what are you getting from CeCe? Can CeCe be a productive pitcher once again? After the past two years, he's been ineffective and he's been hurt. One encouraging thing about CeCe Sabathia, however, his velocity is up a little bit. He's consistently throwing 93, 94 miles per hour. And this is a guy in spring training last year that was throwing 87, 88. So he, he beefed up a little bit. He came into camp at 305 pounds. And if he could throw a little bit harder and he could learn to pitch, with, he's no longer throwing 96, 97 anymore. But if he could still throw 92, 93 consistently and get up there to 94 when he needs to get up there, that would be huge for the Yankees and huge for CeCe to be able to bounce back and be an effective pitcher in this rotation. No, CeCe's a huge question mark. He's thrown the ball decently in spring training. I think the big thing, you know, the results haven't necessarily been there, but his velocity's up. You mentioned it. And whatever you can get out of CeCe Sabathia, I think is a plus this year because I think the Yankees went into this spring training thinking – that exact mindset. Whatever you get out of CC's a plus. Don't expect him to to be the CC of old. But then they were they were pleasantly surprised when he came into camp throwing 92, 93 miles an hour, 91, and and to see that velocity up. Listen, you get 12 or 13 wins out of CC, a 3-2, 3-3 ERA. You know that's a nice pitcher to have in the middle to the back end of your starting rotation. What well, depends what you get out of him. But again, starting with Tanaka and Pineda, you need to have that length because the Yankees didn't have it last year. And, you know, listen, the Yankees won 84 games last year. They got some great starting pitching out of a bunch of guys off the scrap heap. It's not necessarily going to happen. Turn Brandon again. McCarthy into, uh, exactly. you, know, you know, how much money did he end up getting for the Dodgers? $65 million or something? Or, yeah, he, what, even he got more like than that. Million. He got a lot of money. He got a lot for, of money, for and a guy they picked that, him off the scrap For heap. a guy that was 3-10 and 10 when the Yankees acquired him in July or whenever they acquired him. So I, I think the Yankees got a lot of luck last year from a lot of guys that came in and gave him good innings. The problem was they couldn't really score runs. Well, you look at this year. They're still going to have trouble. They have to get healthy. Beltran's a big question mark. A-Rod, what you get out of him, you like what but you see out of spring training. one thing's for sure, training. if they can get you know stellar production from Tanaka and Pineda, that will keep them in the that's race no matter where their offense no, is at. No, I, I absolutely agree, but that's a question mark. And who knows when Tanaka's arm's going to give out. You know, you don't and know. that's a it, big it's a, if. It's a huge if. I, I said last year that I thought he should just have the surgery. I, I agreed with you 100%. Because every time he pitches, there's questions about, oh, when's his ligament going to pop out? He's pitching with a slightly torn ligament in his elbow. When is that going to pop? When is he going to need Tommy John? surgery well if you have to think about that every time he's pitching you know that's concerning because eventually when it does happen then he's going to need to get the surgery and then he's going to miss the entire next season and, and you, why and not have the surgery be healthy and do what the Mets did with Matt Harvey now Matt Harvey's ready to pitch and I I, I agree with you a hundred percent because let, let's say this he gets hurt last July you give him the surgery the Yankees go into this spring training knowing you're not going to have Tanaka so maybe you acquire another starting pitcher I think the Yankees you know, the Yankees obviously went into this this offseason thinking, well, Tanaka's going to be there. But what if he goes down? He's You can't just replace Masahiro Tanaka. The only thing I can think of is they must feel that, you know, it's a very small chance he's going to go down 
this season and maybe they not next be right. season. They better be right. And they better be right because if he goes down, that's going to set back your entire rotation. It's going to be very tough for them to make a run if he's not healthy. They need a, and they need Tanaka to be great or they need Pineda to be great. They need both of them to be good if they want to be a serious contender. Same with Sabathia. Sabathia's got to prove that he can still pitch. And one thing that a lot of people are forgetting about, Yvonne Nova should come back late May, early June. He's a good pitcher when he's healthy. Hopefully coming back off that Tommy John surgery, he's coming back he can contribute. And it could be like picking up a guy near the deadline with the type of caliber uh, starting pitcher that Ivan Nova has shown that he could be when he's out there and he's healthy. Absolutely, and I think the Yankees, the thing with the Yankees this year is you really look at their team, you rip it apart, you look at their lineup, you look at their rotation, you look at their bullpen, and you see a team that could win 85, 86, uh, and, 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 and higher games. You, you see a team that could possibly win 90 games. And on the other hand, you, you see a team that could win 70 games. I mean, they have a lot of question marks, you know. Yankee fans aren't used to this coming into a season with this many question marks. It's 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 odd for them, especially when Jeter's not there. You got a you got a, a, a you got maybe a, a a visual issue. What kind of team are you going to be? Who's going to be the leader of this team? There's a lot of question marks surrounding the Yankees this year. Question marks that they're not used to over the last 20 years. No question about that. And then you mentioned some of the question marks, and both the Mets and the Yankees have question marks with their lineup. We talked about it a little bit earlier when we said that David Wright and Curtis Granderson must have bounced back years for the Mets. But then the Yankees as well, Carlos Beltran can't hit 220. He's got to be healthy. He's and you don't be... like what he said the, two weeks ago where he said he doesn't think he'll ever be able to play baseball again healthy, fully healthy. That's he, concerning. Yeah, and you know, there's no question the guy signed from two more years. He's got to still be a productive player. Mark Deshera hasn't been able to stay in the field the past two seasons. And even when he's out there, he's a shell of his former limited. self. Very Can limited. he be a better player this year coming off his diet that he talked about in the offseason and his risk being fully healed, can he be productive? And Brian McCann, who's still in the prime of his career, I think he's due for a nice bounce-back year. He turns it on at the end of last season. He's another guy that is going to need to step up and have a productive season out of him for the Yankees lineup to be as good as it should have been a season ago. We thought the Yankees lineup last year was going to be tremendous, and so many guys had poor performances. And then, of course, there's the A-Rod question, but the Yankees aren't really counting on him. I think anything you get from Alex Rodriguez is a bonus. But both the Mets and the Yankees with David Wright, Granderson, and Beltron, Brian McCann, and Mark Desher, they had their question marks in their lineup. Yeah, and the Yankees, the, the difference between the Yankees and the Mets' question marks is the Mets have a lot of question marks with a lot of guys that aren't tied down. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of guys that aren't tied down to necessarily big contracts besides David Wright and Curtis Granderson. And it's like even Granderson's not a monster contract. The Yankees, you're talking about a lot of money tied into Mark Deshera. You're talking about a lot of money tied into Beltran. And obviously, they signed McCann to a big, year, to a big contract last year. So these are guys that aren't necessarily just, oh, if they're not good this year, we can replace them. These are guys that are tied down for the next three, four years. That's why it, it's very important for them to have bounce-back years this year and give, you know, if Beltran's going to have one more great season, it's really got to be this year because, you know, if he's bad this year, he's probably not going to bounce back next year. No question about that. And for the Mets, obviously, David Wright hasn't been able to stay healthy the past couple seasons. If he could be productive. They had a the, great spring. Listen, he's had a great spring training. Or really, the middle of the Mets lineup has had a great Tre spring training. Really tremendous. Which doesn't mean much when the regular season starts, but it's nice to see David Wright hit with some power again. He just hasn't had it the past couple of years. And, you know, he's been injured. He, he's been struggling. They moved the fences in once again at City Field. Kevin Long is a very good hitting coach. He should be able to work with Wright and specifically with Kurt is Granderson when Granderson had some of his best seasons of his career when he was with Kevin Long on the Yankees. So maybe Curtis Granderson can bounce back and be productive and obviously moving in the fence is going to help his swing as well. The Mets should be able to hit for a lot more power in that lineup this year. You hope they hit for a lot more power. Obviously, I think it's going to tailor more to Granderson to right too. But it's nice seeing David not only swinging the bat better, driving the ball the other way, driving the ball out of the park the other way. Very nice. And you know, it, you mentioned it. The middle of the Mets lineup 
has had a great spring. The last two weeks, I mean, they're, they're, it seems like they're hitting home runs. Every other day, Kadir's hitting Kedire's a home run. hitting them, Wright's hitting them, Granderson's hitting them. You know, it's you know it's so funny. Everyone thought it would take Lucas Duda so long to get back in the flow. He comes in, first bat, 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 back, he hits a home run. So I think whatever you get out of Lucas Duda, a guy coming off 30 home runs, 92 RBIs last year, in his first season really as a regular first baseman, you know, what you get out of him is big, too. The Mets need Lucas Duda to have another big year. No question about that. And then for the Mets, it's what are you going to get out of the shortstop position? And one thing that concerns me looking at their team, they're up-the-middle defense with Daniel Murphy and Wilmer Flores. You know, this is a team that wants to be able to pitch really well. It's going to hurt if you can't make the routine plays up the middle, and that's affecting your defense. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, it's a definite concern. Like I said, one of them to acquire shortstop. They didn't do it. Flores has had a nice spring. He's been banged up. Murphy's been banged up. But, no, it's a, that's a good point. If you're going to be a pitcher's team and you're going to have a dominating pitching staff, you got to be able to field up the middle. And for, for the Mets, obviously, Wheeler goes down, but they have so much depth in that rotation. But Jacob DeGrom, Bartolo Colon, all good quality stars. DeGrom, of course, rookie of the year. Colon won 15 games last year. So a lot of Mets fans are making an issue over Matt Harvey not being the opening day or the home, or the, the home opener starter. I don't think it really matters that much. Dylan G started opening day for the Mets last year. I don't think anyone really remembers that. It doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter. The bottom line is for the Mets team is they want to be pitching. They want to be playing baseball in October. Matt Harvey is going to be a big part of the reason why if they're able to be able to win a wild card spot and be able to go to the postseason for the first time since the 2006 season. So, you know what? I don't think it really matters who's pitching opening day. I don't think I – It doesn't matter. It's it's a non-issue. It really doesn't matter at all, but, you know – we live in in a, in a social media world, as we know, and it, it gets blown out of proportion. I don't think it's a big deal that Matt Harvey's not starting opening day for the Mets. I, I really don't think it's that big of a deal. I think they wanted him to push start at home, and he's starting the second game at home, and DeGrom's starting the first one. I don't think it's a big deal. Let Cologne start opening day, and you'll lean the rotation come in because we all know come the middle of the season when there's off days – Guys need to miss starts. It really doesn't matter. Everything's everything. Your your your, st- your starting rotation on opening day is not the way it's going to be in May and June. Everything gets jumbled with off days. With guy, you know, they're going to eventually have to rain outs. Rain everything. outs. Uh, if you play a double header after a rain out, it, it all gets mixed up. So it really doesn't matter. Obviously, you look at it from the outside looking in two weeks before the season, everyone makes a big deal about it. But I really don't think it's a big deal that Cologne's starting opening day. Well, Dan, I happen to agree with you as well. Bartolo Cologne will start the opening day in Washington for the Mets. And then Jacob DeGrom, the reigning NL Rookie of the Year, will make his home opener debut for the Mets at City Field when the Mets return home. And then Harvey will pitch in that series. You know, it's it, who cares? It's not a big deal. The Mets have a lot more issues than who's starting on opening day. No question about that. That's the least of their concerns. The, yeah, you know, I more, mean, more concerns involving their lineup and the bullpen that we touched on, the lack of a, a lefty reliever. And you know, you know what's funny? Everyone's gonna everyone questions the opening day starting pitching until after opening day, and then it doesn't matter. It's only talked about up until opening day, and then who cares? It's doesn't forgotten matter. about. It. It's forgotten about. It doesn't matter. No one cares who pitches on opening day. You ready to talk entourage? Oh yeah. We're going to talk some entourage right after this. This is the Asmund and Budic Show. Join us. Got a lot to get to. Vinny and the boys, they're back in town. You are listening to the Asmund and Budic Podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. It's good to hear that theme song again, baby. Dan and I are huge Entourage fans. I think we've mentioned it a few times on the show. We've seen all 96 episodes. In one many, week. Many in times. In one week. Well, it, what's funny story, when Dan transferred here, for those who don't know, he went to Temple University uh, for his 
fall semester of his freshman year. He came here in the spring, and the first thing we had to do, Dan's never seen the show. I've seen Entourage so many times, and Dan was addicted to it, and we were able to watch all 96 episodes of Entourage in under a week. It was about six days. It was, it was amazing. We sat down. We watched every episode. Now Dan can't stop watching it over and over oh, again. Oh, it's great. I'm the same way. I've been I've been waiting so long for this movie. There were so many times that you didn't think it was ever going to happen. You weren't sure if the show was just going to be over for good. They teased the end of season eight so well, and you, you weren't sure where they were going to go with it, if it was ever going to come about. And it's back. The movie's back, and they're picking up right where they left off. Ari takes the studio head job. And spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the show, uh you're just gonna have to deal with it on this one. Stop listening to the show. <laughs> Stop listening to the show because we're gonna be talking about the, the one of the two trailers that recently just came out. And as we sit here right now, we're about 70 days away from June 5th when the movie comes out. We'll be there opening night. We're very excited. 12 midnight. And uh, for those West Ferry, New York, we'll West be Ber- there. Uh, West Ferry Cinemas. Of course, on the island, uh, or maybe Broadway with or the nice Broadway chairs. Broadway with the nice chairs, all depending on the show times. And we'll, we'll figure it out from there. But obviously the movie coming out in just 70 days. Vinny and the boys, they're back in town. Ari's back. So many celebrities from Rob Gronkowski. That, that was probably the, I, I, in all seriousness, like the first trailer, it was like, all right, you have an idea. That let trailer that was released two days ago, the best trailer. Because it really gives you an idea of what the movie, it gives you the perfect synopsis of everything that's going to happen. Well, the when they last left off, Vince is married. He's getting married to that girl, Sophia, who doesn't appear in the trailer, yep. which is important to point out. You have no idea the direction they're going with that. you got to assume that something happens. I thought it was very rushed at the end of the show that something with Vince like that happened at it, the end. It just, it's, it's so it's not against his, it's the not, whole, everything he's built, the whole, the, the whole show. It's not Vince to just get attached to someone in the final four episodes of a show that had 90 episodes prior to that, 92 episodes prior to that, so... That was interesting at the way they ended it, and now they're bringing it back. Sophia's not in the trailer, so you don't know where they're going there. But obviously, I was mentioning the celebrities from Warren Buffett to Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady and Julian Ederman. They're in the show. Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. ton of sport people that are in the show. Liam Neeson's in the program. you got a ton of guys. Sticks that, the finger up in the trailer. Yeah, he does. It. He, he's doing his thing. And, Gary Busey, of course. Right. I mean, the movie's going to be phenomenal. I'm so excited. And as someone that's grown up watching the show, that has seen every episode over and over again, that, you know— it's just, it's nice that it's coming out. It's, you know, it's almost hit me that it's real. The ride's not over yet, baby. They're going to be back. And, you know, the storyline seems to be pretty interesting. Vince wants to direct a movie for the first time ever. And Ari is obviously the studio head, cast Vince in the movie, and Vince wants to direct. And we don't even know if Vince knows how to direct. And He wants to direct. So, so who the hell knows where the show is going. They need from, more money. There's this a sex tape. It, it, it's madness. Lloyd's getting married. So a lot going on in this trailer. And, I can't wait to see the film, and you know, you know, this is a show that it's just you see it with your your friends, you see it with your boys, you love it. And the show came out in two thousand four. It's hard to believe it. It, it. This show debuted in July of two thousand four, and here we are ago. in June of twenty fifteen when this movie finally comes out. That it will be you know over eleven years when this when this mo- this movie's on that big screen. Absolutely, and 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 another thing, you know, Sloane's pregnant in the trailer in the trailer release two days ago. So a lot of storylines were. You wondered at the end of the show because the show had the way the show ended, it left it so open ended for what can happen, and now you, you have a really clear cut idea of the direction it's going to go into. You know, Vince wants to direct, and, and it's it's so Vince he wants to do something else, something different. And you know, E is dealing with Sloan. There's always something going on with his love life. Johnny Drama, who is arguably the best character in the show, him oh, and him and, him and Ari Gold. 
he's doing his thing. And well, that's going to be interesting to see what drama's doing too, because they really didn't peek that much in the trailer of what drama's up to. No, so. and same with Turtle. Turtle wants to date another athlete, Ronda Rousey, who could beat anyone in fighting in 14 seconds in her last fight. I might add, but she's in the sh- she's in the movie. I keep saying the show because I'm so used to it, but you know, it's the movie and. I can't wait. Seventy days away. And Seventy it, days to the entourage. The, the countdown keeps going. The trailers. The first one was pretty good. This last one was phenomenal. It was Get, great. Oh, gave yeah. you an idea where the the movie's headed. And listen, over the next couple months, you're gonna see entourage everywhere. And what I love about what they did, they didn't forget anyone. They brought back Sloan, obviously, but even some other characters like Billy Walsh is in the movie. You have to, ha- yeah. You have exactly, to have Ari's yeah. wife that's in the movie. They didn't forget anyone. They brought back Shauna, the publicist. She's in the movie as well. So, you know, you didn't really forget anyone. And obviously, Lloyd Lee, who's my favorite secondary character, I might add, he's getting married. So, the, I mean, this movie's going to have everything. And hopefully it lives up to the hype. And who knows, maybe there's a sequel or whatnot. But well, we, were, we, were, we were talking about this uh, a couple days ago is – now that Ari's a studio head, who is Vince's agent? Is it Lloyd? Good question. I, w- is it Lloyd? And also, Kid Cudi is not playing himself in the movie. He's playing Ari Gould's new assistant. Mm. Something to to, to watch Interesting. over. So, I mean, there's so many. Ca- even the amount of cameos that weren't said that were in the trailer. Piers Morgan has a whole thing that's in the movie that wasn't even mentioned. So, listen, from top to bottom, when you have a movie that has Warren Buffett and of course Bob and Saget, Bob Saget and Rob Gronkowski, you know you can't get in the opposite end of the spectrum right there. Hey, the movie's wide open. And for those who haven't seen the show, you know, you're probably not listening at this point, but I recommend watching it. You can cruise through it. It's 96 episodes. Each episode's under 30 minutes. It's about as good as entertainment as you will find out there. And listen, as Dan and I are both headed out to LA a year from now, we're looking forward to seeing some of the spots that they go to in the show. <laughs> I I hope I hope we're we're hitting up some of those spots because they, you know it's great because it really gives you an inside look at Hollywood it does. and what and what it's like not in a not in a fantasy world but what it's like for an actor and his friends a, a, a prominent actor and his friends to live in Hollywood and 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 the problems that the common problems that they face some of them not so common but for the most part very common problems that. Uh, celebrities and act famous actor would, would face in the real world. You get a good inside look, and you get the get an inside look about how hard it is to be an agent for an actor, and all the different scenarios that go on with contracts, scripts, finding the right project, and obviously Jeremy Piffin won multiple Emmys for his role as Ari Gold because Ari Gold is one of the best characters in television history, one of the funniest characters too, and you know. I'm so glad they're back in my lives, and on June 5th, I'll be there opening night. I can't wait to see the movie. We I might have I, to see it a few times. Yeah, I'll probably see it multiple times, to be honest, and you know, I'm that excited. I just hope it lives up to the hype. I think it will, and listen, as someone that's been watching the show for as many years as I've been watching it, and I remember in August of 2011 when it finally wrapped up, I'm sitting there waiting for more. You want more. You want more. And it's over, and you know what? The bottom line is it's back. It's going to be a great movie, and... I can't wait to see it, Dan. It's gonna be it's gonna be a very good movie. It's gonna be a very good movie because I think it's really, you know, they're gonna close it and they're gonna really tie it all together because they didn't do that at the end of the at the end of the show. It was left it open. You remember going on the two different planes, uh, E with Sloan, and then obviously Vince getting married. And it, you really didn't know where it would go from there. And I think at the end of the movie, it'll really tie everything together, and you'll be able to say. You know, okay, this is how it officially ends. Because I, and who knows, maybe they make another movie. But I think they're really just gonna tie it all together. And uh, you know, it was a great trailer. You know, it was a phenomenal trailer. Because like I said before, the first one, you really didn't have an idea. You had a somewhat of an idea, but it was kind of just like a couple of jokes. They're going around, and there was really no insight on what the movie's gonna be about. This last trailer, the extended one, the official trailer, was great. Real, it it hit everything. 
all the storylines, everything that that you expect to see on. Well, June even 5th. Vince's movies, Calvin Harris, he's playing a, a DJ that fights cops. I mean, you don't really know where. Uh, you don't know what's going on, but you never know what Vince is doing in his movies. No, I mean Vince. Vince is Vince, and he's <laughs> he's gonna do whatever. It can't be worse than Queens Boulevard. Uh, I am Queens Boulevard. I mean, you know, the uh, you, know, you know, Queens Boulevard was a good movie. Oh, Queens Boulevard with Medellin. Medellin was Medellin the was worst sucked. movie ever. So it can't be worse than Medellin. Medellin sucked. Queens Boulevard was, that was very, a horrible Queens movie. Boulevard was very good. I am Queens Boulevard. We saw it at Sundance. It, it was phenomenal. James Cameron went to see it personally. Went to see it personally because Vince starred in the first Aquaman movie. Well, who could forget that? Well, yeah, didn't go back for the second one. There was some finance issues. Jake Gyllenhaal played, played, <laughs> yeah. played Aquaman in the second one. Yeah, you know, the whole thing. But uh, yeah, to, to wrap it up, for those who haven't seen the trailer, make sure you check it out. It dropped late last night. Or actually, it might have been two nights two ago. Two nights ago. It was two yeah. nights ago already. I'm getting my days confused. But summer 2015, June 5th. Can't wait. Film star Vincent Chase and his cronies. They take they're on, back. They take on Hollywood, and they're back for the first movie. Maybe more. We'll find out. But listen, we've waited so long for it. It's finally nearing. It's time to be on the big screen, and we're certainly excited about that. But that's going to do it for us. For Dan Budick, I'm Jake Asman saying so long. Thanks for listening to the Asman and Budick Show. Listening to the Asmin and Budic podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.